Well, y'all, we kicked off this new series, and it's called, y'all help me out. What's it called? Some Assembly Required. And we have a competition going, so I need my um, Christian Womack and Jessica, Keith, and your family right over here. Y'all, Philip couldn't be here because they have Thanksgiving stuff going on. So the competition, how many of y'all were not here last week? Okay, let me explain to you what's going on. There's, this series is called Some Assembly Required. We have a big family versus a small family right now. What's going on? They are trying to assemble this tricycle. They started last week. They have two and a half minutes this week to work on this tricycle. So I need you guys, y'all were not very good last week at pumping them up. Now I need, you guys are gonna be Keith's extended family. So Keith's extended family. How many of y'all believe Keith's gonna win this thing? Okay. Now you guys are gonna be Christian's extended family, okay? You gotta help him. Come on, give it up. So here's the rules. You have two and a half minutes Two and a half minutes to work on, if we could get a counter up wherever it's at, two and a half minutes to work on the tricycle. If you finish today, whoever wins, whichever family wins, our church is giving them $100 to go have a family night and feed them. And then we're going to give them a big basket of goodies to have a game night. Do what? It takes more than, it takes more than $100 to feed that family. <laughs> they can eat at McDonald's for $100. So yes, yes. All right, here we go. On you, Mark. Get set. Go, we have two and a half minutes. Christian, Christian, Christian. I got a little help. We have a minute 40 left. 100 seconds. Thank you, Brian. 10,000 points for the Brian team. They do have a disadvantage. <laughs> 10,000 points for the Womack team. Okay, we have 55 seconds. We have 30 seconds left. All right, church family, help me out. We're getting close. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 
Okay, y'all give it up for Keith and his family. Give it up for Christian and Jessica. I just want to say, y'all, Christian and Jessica had a little bit of a disadvantage. They did not build last week, and I asked him to come and do that. And I think there were some things maybe built wrong. And so, um, so they were having to disassemble, which kind of goes with the series that we're talking about. So I'm really excited about being able to implement that. We all want to give it up for our families this morning. <laughs> he said, since they didn't finish, can he have the $100? Well, they still have one more week. If they don't finish next week, we'll talk about it. Yeah, listen, uh, last week we really dug into some assembly required. Now, if you're sitting here and you maybe this is your first time to Clawson or you're just visiting Clawson, you're going, what in the world? What are these people doing? They're building tricycles on the stage. I thought we were here for God. Is anything spiritual in this church? Listen, here's a here's few things that you need to know about Clawson. Number one is at Clawson, we have fun. It's a part of our culture. It's a part of who, who we are. If you don't like to have fun, I can show you a lot of churches that don't. And you can, you're welcome to go there. At Clawson, we like to say, this is where the party starts. Somebody say amen. amen. And so we like to have fun. But secondly, we're building these tricycles because we're in this series that is called Some Assembly Required. And, and, and the purpose of building tricycles, listen to me now, is because when you get this tricycle, you go and buy. How many of y'all have put together a tricycle before? It's the devil. Yeah, it will make you, never mind, we're not going to go there. Um, so when you get this tricycle, you get instructions. And if you want this tricycle to function the way that it was built and it was meant to function, then you literally have to take these instructions and you got to put this thing together based off of how this instructions tells you to put it together. Somebody say amen. Amen. If you're like me and you just try to put it together four or five times without the instructions, then you have to keep taking it apart. Listen to me, just like that bicycle, that tricycle has got instructions and we have to put this thing together perfectly based off of the instructions or it doesn't function properly. God has given us instructions for our families. And this whole series is about the fact that if we do not take and assemble and put together our families the way that God has instructed us to put together our families, just like last week when I touched these handlebars and they felt... And they fell off. They didn't fall off. Good job, Christian. Listen, what happens is our families fall to pieces and they don't work the way that God intended our families to work unless we assemble them the way that he called us to assemble them. Somebody say amen. Amen. I told you last week that in our culture, inside and outside of the church, that families have been assembled. They have been put together the wrong way. Amen? Amen. We're not working in our roles. I'm working on my wife's role. My wife's working on my role. I'm trying to take Jesus's role. And so we're not working on our roles. And so what happens is, and this is my prayer, and this is my, my, my hope and my prayer for this series, is that we would take this seriously, and we would take the instructions from the Bible, and anything that has put together, been put together wrong, just like you saw Christian taking off pieces that had already been put on, if it's been put together wrong, my prayer for our families is that we would take the time to disassemble the pieces that have been put together wrong, and that we would go back and assemble our families the way that God has instructed us to put our families together. How many of you know that's important? So last week we dove into this umbrella of protection. And if I could get that up on the screen, 
real quickly. The umbrella of protection, and I, I, I explained all of this to you. I saw this on Facebook, and it, it gave me the, uh, uh, the messages that I wanted to preach based off of this series. But here's, here's the umbrella of protection in your family. This is how our roles should go and how it should be structured. Number one is that Christ should be the head of the entire family. In other words, everything that we do, everything that we say, everything that our family is about, it should be completely uh, protected by and about Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen. And if I'm leading the family and Christ is not leading the family, we got a problem. And that's what I talked about and preached about last week is instructions on how to put Christ at the top of your family, how to put him as the head of your household. How many of y'all went home and started working on some of those instructions that we gave out last week? Eight of y'all. Yes, the rest of y'all. You need to be at the altar this morning. (laughs) So then after Christ, we have the husband. And the husband's role in the family is to lead the family, to protect the family, and to provide for the family. That is their responsibility. I'm not saying the woman can't help with these things. I'm saying that's his responsibility to make sure that those things get done. Amen? And then we have the wife who her job is to comfort, to teach, and to nurture. We like to say, and, and, and we find this in Scripture, that the woman is the helpmate for the man. Because the man is, technically, he's over the woman. Just like Christ is over the man. I had to reach for that one. Oh, Bobby, that was too big of an amen. And then we have last the children, and their job is to love and obey the parents. So this is how we assemble. Love you guys. This is how we assemble the family the correct way. Somebody say amen. Amen. So last week, the whole message was about Christ and putting him the very top and what all of that looks like. If you didn't didn't hear that message, I encourage you to go back and and check that out. Um, This week, I'm targeting a very specific group of people, but I don't want you to check out if you're not a husband or you're not a father. Don't check out because listen to me. Every single part of the husband's role affects every single person in the family. Now, the husband's role is to lead the family in these things. That means you should be learning these things from the husband. So in other words, you should be learning these things today at church because maybe you don't have a husband that's teaching those things. So it's very important. This message is very applicable for every single person in this room. So do not check out. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, don't check out. Okay, here we go. The role of the husband. Now, I'm gonna be honest with you. I love being a husband and a father most of the time. Anybody else? <laughs> yeah, the people that don't have their wives sitting beside them. They're raising their hand. I ain't got my wife by me. I can say it. I love being a husband and a father most of the time, but sometimes being a dad and sometimes being married is overwhelming. Amen? Sometimes you got issues in your brain as a dad, as you're walking through all the different challenges that you have to walk through. Amen? And so it's overwhelming and it's hard. And I will say this, and this is probably not for most of us in this room, but for me, before I became a Christian, I was a horrible husband. I'm not going to go into detail on that because you don't want to know and my wife don't want it brought up, I'm sure. But I was a horrible husband. And, and, And I say that like bad, bad. So when I came to Jesus, listen to me, it's important. When I came to Jesus, I wanted to learn how to be the husband that God called me to be. And I find that in Scripture, and what I found in Scripture, and this is kind of the the, the Scripture that has led me in everything that I've done as a husband, is to love my wife like Christ loved the church. 
serve her like Christ. Like, like Christ served the church. So honestly, my philosophy for the, about the last 15 years, because we've been married for 17 years, for two years, it wasn't very good. But for about the last 15 years, my philosophy has been to make it my joy and honor to love and serve my wife. I think that that is way, way, way important. And can I say that that's not typically what we're taught and brought up in our, in our households, in our culture, for the man to do? Amen? We're not brought up that you should love and you should serve your wife. We got shirts that say, make me a sandwich. Right? We got shirts that tear down the woman. And, and yes, the Bible says that the man is over the woman, but it doesn't say that he's over her in a degrading way. And so in our culture, we've made it where the man is this superior being in the home. And that is not what Jesus did. We're going to dive into this. Some of you men are going to be a little aggravated with me after the service. Because it shouldn't be, go make me a sandwich. It should be, I'll go make you a sandwich. Now, I'm not going to lie to you. I didn't really like this thought process whenever I first started working on it about 15 years ago. It had to grow on me. Amen? You know why? Because we have not been taught this in our culture. What we've been taught is the taught that the, the, the man is the head. He makes all the decisions and he forks out these decisions and it goes like this. And, and, and he tells the wife what to do and he tells the kids what to do. And that's how life should be in a Christian household. And that's not what Jesus said. If you look at how Jesus ruled his kingdom and his people, it is much differently than how we've put it in our culture. So what I've done is I've, I've tried to make it my philosophy for the last 15 years. How can I serve my wife? And you can ask her and she'll tell you that this is the truth. What I do in my day, I actually have written on my yellow, little yellow notepad, be sweet to Christy. You know why it's on the notepad? Because if it's not on the notepad, I won't do it. I have drink water on the notepad. Because if I don't have it, I promise you, I won't drink any water. It's ridiculous. I know, but it's true. So you know what I do every single day? Every single day, I look for opportunities for me to serve my wife. How do I do that? I get up in the morning before she gets to work. I want to either have her some kind of message knowing that I'm thinking about her. I want, I, want, I want to have something on her desk when she walks in. I want to serve my wife. I have learned to be good at cleaning, y'all. You know why? Because I want to serve my wife in cleaning. Man, some of the husbands are going to be real mad at me after the service. <laughs> I've learned to help with the kids. I've learned that it's great to surprise her with lunch and do things that she loves, like rub her feet, even though I really feel like she should be rubbing my feet. <laughs> or scratch her back. Listen, this is what it looks like in Scripture for a man. Now, I will say that it do that does not mean that I have not failed tremendously. Some of y'all ladies are like, man, my, my husband needs to be more like Pastor Josh. No, don't do that. Because I have failed so many times in the last 15 years, even attempting to be the best that I could be, I've still failed. Anybody else? Let me give you an example. After this example, you will never ask me to watch your kids again. Okay, so this is a true story. When we moved back to Lufkin, Canaan was about six and Ryland was about eight. And um, we were doing an outreach. And so I just said, hey, babe, why don't you let the boys go with me to the outreach? And we'll, and Canaan had brought a friend over. So we have a six-year-old that is mine, a six-year-old that's not mine, and an eight-year-old that is mine. We go to Brandon Park. Anybody know where Brandon Park is? 
It's over on the north side. So we go to Brandon Park. We do this outreach at Brandon Park. It's awesome. We feed kids. We have dance parties, a basketball shootout stuff. We give out all kinds of cool prizes. We blow up a jumper. We feed everybody. And then we pack up the bus and, and we come back to the church, okay? So then we get back to the church and we're unloading everything. It's starting to get dark. We're unloading everything in this back dock. And one of the youth comes up to me and kind of nonchalantly, he's like, hey, so while we were at the park, you had your kids with you. Where are they at? My six-year-old, another six-year-old that's not mine, and my eight-year-old is at the park because I did not get them. So I jump in the short bus and I take off like, oh my God, if Christy finds out, I'm dead. Like she's gonna slit my throat while I'm sleeping, it's over. And so I come and, and I, 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 I freak, I'm freaking out. I whip into big body bus, baby, whipping into Brandon Park, fly in there, throw it in park. And I see all three of them, they're sitting over on the swings. So I jump out of the bus and I run over there and I'm not lying y'all, this is Rylan, if you know Rylan at all. Rylan, they're all kind of chilling. Rylan gets off the swing and he walks over at me and he goes, I was wondering how long it was gonna take you. So I said that to say, if you ever need a babysitter, give me a holler. I'll go drop your kids off at a park and come back and get them later on. Maybe we should pray. Maybe, let's pray. Y'all, let's, let's ask the Lord to lead. I don't know if that was the Holy Spirit. That was just me. Let's pray that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide us today. Would you join me? Heavenly Father, I love you. You're so good. Holy Spirit, I just pray right now that you would use me as a vessel. Speak through me today. God, I pray that you would show our husbands what it looks like to be a godly and a biblical husband. What it looks like to love our wives and to treat our wives the way that you have treated us. And Lord, I love you and I thank you and I praise you. In your precious name I pray, amen. All right, let's jump in. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 through 33. <clears throat> Probably the best scriptures when it comes to being a husband. It says, for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy without fault. In the same way, husbands, uh, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. Oh, snap. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but he feeds and he cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. This is the great mystery, but it, this is a great mystery, but it is, is, is an illustration of the way that Christ Jesus and the church are one. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband's. Okay, here we go. Y'all ready, husbands? Here's some truths that we find in scripture about how we should lead and be husbands to our wife. Number one is God designed the husband to lead their family. And I want you to write that down. I want you to highlight the term lead. Probably don't have highlighters, just circle it. God designed husbands to lead 
their family. Now, this, this also has a very anti-cultural thought process right now. You know why it's an anti-cultural um, thought process? Here's why. Because in our culture, we're all about equality. Right? If a man can do it, I can do it. If she can do it, I can do it. Like, we're all about equality. Right now, we don't know the difference between a man, a woman, and, well, I don't know. We don't, we don't, we, we're confused in our culture. And so because we're confused in our culture, when we get confused, we need to go back to the Bible, which is the basics of how to get out of confusion, because Satan is the author of confusion, and Jesus gives us clarity. And so what he says here is a man is to lead our family. That means it's not equality. Amen? It is Christ. Christ is over the man. The man is over the wife. The wife is over the kids. That is the basic setup. You can be equality all that you want to, but it's not in here. Amen? Okay, so how do we lead our families? I want to take a few minutes and dive into what it looks like to lead your wife and your family, because I think that we take that too far a lot of times. We're either on this side of the, the spectrum where we're like, uh, everyone's equal, the wife can be the man, the man can be the wife, all these different things, or we're on this side of the spectrum where the man is like dominating over the wife. So how do we do it the God way? Because I don't believe that either of those ways are how God has put it together and intended it. So how do we do it the God way? For the next few minutes, we're gonna dive into that. I believe in a lot of homes in America, that we have confused the terms leader and dictator. Amen? What is a dictator? A dictator is a ruler with total power. Typically, listen to this, one who has obtained power by control of force. A dictator bosses people around like slaves. A dictator wants to be served. A dictator demands respect and they get respect not because anybody loves them or cares to respect them. They get respect out of fear. Amen. And so many fathers, this is how they lead their homes. In this dictatorship, Jesus said to love our wives like Christ loved the church. Would you say that Christ's relationship with his church and his bride and his love looks like a dictatorship? Not at all. In no way did he demand things from the church. Did he cower over the church? Did he degrade or, or demoralize the church? What he did is he built up and he lifted up and he served his church. When Jesus was leading us, he was leading us through servanthood. Wow. He didn't demand respect and yet he still got respect. You know why he got respect? He got respect because of the way that he served and he loved people. Fathers, I wanna ask you a question. Husbands, I wanna ask you a question. Do you want your family to respect you because they fear you? Or do you want your family to respect you because they love you? And because of how good you are to them? Mm. Matthew chapter 23, I believe that Jesus gives us the, the, the greatest leadership principles in Matthew and Luke, and here's what he says. Matthew chapter 23 and verse 11, he says, the greatest among you must be a servant. Listen to this, Luke in 22 and verse 20, 26 says, but among you it will be different. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank and the leader should be a servant. Would you say that that's how we've put the father in the home in, in American culture? No. 
But that's how Jesus put the Father. And you know why? He gave us the perfect example. Would you throw that umbrella, uh, the, the picture of the umbrella back up? So Jesus said, the greatest among you must be a servant. Let me ask you a question. Christ is the greatest among us. How many of you would say that he deserved to be respected? He deserved to be worshiped. He deserved to be loved. But did he get, how did he treat the husband and the wife and his family, his bride? I, I give you the one word. He served us. He served us. So when the greatest among us is the greatest servant. You want to be the greatest husband that you could possibly be? You be the greatest servant in your home. You do that and you can be like Jesus. It's quiet, y'all. But that is the truth. He gave us this example. Husbands, you want to be the best to your wives? You serve your wife. Like Christ served the church. It wasn't ever about Jesus. It was always about his people. And that's how it should be in our families. It wasn't for the wife. If you want to be the greatest wife, you serve and you love your children. And when you serve and you love and you make your children a priority and it's not always on Facebook and always thinking about yourself. Oh, I'm digging into that next week. Where am I going? I'm sorry. Listen, that is the example that Christ gave us. He is the ultimate top. And he got that way by being the greatest servant there ever was. It's quiet, y'all. You know what we do in our homes? A lot of times, philosophy and the mentality of a man, I shouldn't have to serve anybody. I put the meat on this table. I pay the electric bills. I provide for everything in this house. They should be serving me because I deserve to be served. Can I, can, I, can I be honest with you? You do deserve to be served, just like Christ deserved to be served. But when you, when you go about it the way that we've been taught to go about it, nobody serves you because they love you. And nobody learns to serve based off of their father. We learn from our hierarchy how to serve. And our families should learn how to serve from their fathers. In other words, the father should be the one leading in servanthood in the home. Amen? This is a philosophy that, y'all, it's quiet in here. This is a philosophy that's really hard. Jesus deserved to be served, but instead he served us. He said those in the lowest place of honor will be put up in the highest place. Man, that's the example that he gave us. It's, I know it's not what's, what's been taught and what's been pressed and what's been put into our culture, but it's truth. And man, I wanna say, I think too, Y'all ever, ever heard the term spiritual leader of the home? So God has put the man as the spiritual leader of the home. As he goes to Christ and Christ comes to him, they got this relationship going on. He's supposed to lead and guide in the home, right? I think we've overcomplicated this so much. Because men will come and, they, you know, they'll get saved and they want to be the spiritual leader. And when we think of spiritual leader, like we think of the pastor. We think like, oh God, I can't be the spiritual leader of my home. I'm barely saved. But all, literally all we have to do to spirit, be the spiritual leader of our home is to follow the example of Jesus. You follow the example. What, what do you mean, pastor? I mean, we don't overcomplicate it. You ain't got to memorize the whole, the whole Bible to be the spiritual leader of your home. Amen? So how do you be the spiritual leader of your home? You lead by example. 
You show them what it looks like to follow Jesus Christ. You, you, you share with them Christ. You tell them everything. I love in the Old Testament when God's telling them what to do with all the things. He says, put it on your forehead and, and, and mark it all over your home and all of the different things. You tell them everything that God has done in your home. You tell them how important God is and lead them and guide them. You make mistakes and you let them see the mistakes. You know what happens when you hide your mistakes from your family? They don't learn anything. You know what happens when you're a hierarchy in your family and you don't serve them? They don't serve anyone. And if we want our families to be like Jesus, it's really easy, husbands. Be like Jesus over your family. Treat him like Christ treated his church. Lead them in this way. Somebody say amen. Yo, I got to move on because it's quiet. Number one, God designed the husbands to lead in the way that we lead is to serve and to show them the perfect example of what it means to love Jesus. Number two in your notes, God designed the husbands to protect their family. You know, I think that this is probably why men like guns so much. How many of y'all in here like guns? Uh-huh. There's 12 women and 87 men that have their, their, their hand. I think that, that we like guns and we like weapons and we like warfare and we like watching things like Gladiator and, and Braveheart and, and Patriot, those types of things, because there is this natural thing that's put inside of us to protect our family. I bet if I was to ask right now, I bet there's 60 to 100 guns in this room. Keep your hand down. You don't want people knowing you got a gun. And I bet if I was to have people raise their hands, I bet that 85% of them would be men. We'd have a 15% of those crazy ladies. I'm just kidding. But 85% of them would be men. You know why? Listen to me. Because it's natural. It's built inside of us from the very beginning. We were built and we were bred with this natural instinct that I am going to protect what God has given me. You come to my house and come at my family and I will not hesitate to shoot you. That's, I'm not saying I would. I'm saying that's the mindset. I don't know. I might. I don't. Just don't do it. But that's the mindset that's been definitely in America, been put into American people, is that if you come at what is ours, we're going to take you out. We're protecting what we have in men. We have this naturally put inside of us. Now, I'm not saying that women don't like guns and women don't can't protect and those kind of things. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying it's naturally put in men. Let me give you an example of uh, most of you will not have heard this. Some of you that have been at Clawson for a long time. This is one of dad's stories, but it's so funny. So I'm going to tell it. I hope I tell it right. If I don't, Lewis, I'm sure you've heard it. Okay. So let me give you an example of how it is so natural for men to want to protect their family. When I was a kid, I don't actually remember this, but I remember hearing it multiple times from the pulpit or from, you know, him teaching or telling the story. When I was a kid, I was pretty young and, um, and my mom and dad were laying in bed. It's the middle of the night. And all of a sudden, they hear this big crash go down in their, in, their, in their bathroom, which is right there by them. Nobody else can get it. So they hear this big crash, like, like a window breaking, uh, go on in their bathroom. So they jump up, and they listen, and they don't hear anything. They listen, and then all of a sudden, psh, they hear another 
And my mom, from what I remember, my mom reached over and she said, Kevin, somebody's breaking into our house. And so my dad reached over and he's trying to grab his pistol. He's half asleep and he can't find the pistol, doesn't remember where he put it. And so he ain't got the pistol. And so he's laying there and, and, and they're listening again. And then they hear this, something else that breaks. And so my dad, he's going to be mad at me for saying this, who is a man who wears whitey tidies. <laughs> he jumps up in his whitey tidies, nothing else on. And he takes off running at the bathroom. Run! Get out of here! <laughs> and he slams open the door and their, their mirror had fallen and busted and there was nobody in the bathroom. Nobody's breaking in. <laughs> but listen, that would be enough to scare any person off. I just want to throw that out there. <laughs> but there's this, there's this natural thing built inside of us that I am going to protect. This is why I wanted to tell that story. And it's so good. I, I'm, even if it takes me running almost naked with no weapon at whoever's coming at my family, I'm running naked with no weapon because I will do. If they kill me, that's okay. But they're not getting to my family. The men that have this built inside of them to protect. And so it's our role to protect our families. In 1 Peter chapter 3, the Bible mentions that the woman out of the man and the woman is the weaker vessel. Now, I do want to say nowadays that's in most scenarios, but no longer in all scenarios. I've seen some ladies, they could whoop me. <laughs> but for 99.9% .9 of the time, this scripture in 1 Peter chapter 3 is very relevant. It says, in the same way, husbands must give honor to your wives, treat your wife with the understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner. Underline that. She is your equal partner in God's gift of a new life. Treat her as you should so that your prayers will not be hindered. Oh, snap. All of the husbands need it. You don't treat your wife like you're supposed to treat your wife. Don't even go pray because your prayers are probably being hindered. You treat your wife like you're supposed to treat your wife. Somebody say amen. amen. So then we get to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse three. He says that the woman is the weaker vessel. We get to 1 Corinthians eleven three. It says, but there is one thing that I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ. The head of every woman is the man and the head of Christ is God. So listen to me. This is where we get this basic job description here. Christ is the head over the man. In other words, it is Christ's job to protect the man. Amen? He has this umbrella of protection over the man. But the man is over the wife, which the family is also under him. It is his job to protect his family. So I want to dig real quickly into how do we protect our families? How do we protect our families? I have four pieces I want to give you real quick. Two of them run together. How do we protect our families? Number one is we protect them physically. Physically. Now, I know that we've already talked about this, but just for clarification, it is my job to make sure that my family is taken care of physically. Now, that's with food. That's with protection. That's with a roof over their head. That's with, with if someone's breaking into the house, taking off running in your whitey tidies to go take them out. However it is that our family needs protecting, that is the husband's responsibility to do. Amen? How about secondly, what about emotional and mental protection? I want you to stay with me because I think that so many times we just, we just kind of leave this out. And here's what I mean. Dads, husbands, what you speak to your wife 
And what you speak to your children is so important. With your words, you are either setting your wife and your children up for failure or you are building them up to be what God created them to be. With your words and what you speak into them and what you pray over them and how you lead them, you are either protecting their mentality, mentally, or you are destroying it. Amen? And dads, it is your job to watch what you say. First of all, because what you say either protects or destroys your children emotionally and mentally. And secondly, what you say weighs so much on what they believe about themselves. So important. Number, number whatever. Three. So emotionally and mentally run together. The last one is spiritually. Listen, literally, it is your job to protect your, your family spiritually. You are literally going to the heavenlies, warring against Satan and his people. Praying over your family, praying a hedge of protection around them, praying for God to lead and guide them. And then you are leading them when they fail with grace and forgiveness and mercy because every one of us have failed and what we needed was grace and forgiveness and mercy. And so fathers, husbands, you protect your wives and your kids by leading them spiritually and by helping them get up when they fall spiritually. Amen? So number one was husbands are designed to lead the family. Number two, husbands are designed to protect the family. Lastly, number three, God designed husbands to provide for the family. I just want to throw out there, if we have any lazy husbands in the room, you're going to be real mad at me. Listen, it's your job. It's your responsibility to be the provider for your family. I, I want to stop here because in our culture, we've made it everybody else's job. It's not the government's job. It's not the church's job because you want to be lazy. It is your job. You married her saying, I will take care of her. You had those children and it's your responsibility to provide for that family. Genesis, in Genesis chapter three, God curses the serpent for its stupidity. He curses the woman for her stupidity. Then he gets to the man and he, listen, he curses the entire ground for his stupidity. And this is what he says to the man. All of your life, you will struggle to scratch a living from it. By the sweat of your brow, you will have food to eat until you return to the ground. God gave us a job description. Work your butt off until you go back to the ground. That's what he said. And that's what's going to happen to you. Why? Because of what, sometimes I get a little irritated at Adam about it. But it's still my job. If I'm going to get married, it's my job. You want to be lazy? Don't get married. Y'all, this is serious to God. Let me read you what Paul said. Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8, but those who won't care for their relatives, especially those in their own household, have denied the true faith. Woo! He said, they ain't my people. They have denied the true faith. Such people are worse than an unbeliever. 
Golly. So Paul says a man that doesn't care for those in his household is worse than an unbeliever. Husbands, it is so important that you are making sure that your family is provided for. I'm not saying you can't get help. I'm not saying your wife can't work. I'm not saying any of those things. What I'm saying is the buck stops with you. In, in, in our family, my wife decided she wanted more money than what I was giving her. Okay, well, go get a job. So she went and got a job. And she works. And she likes working. She wants to work. Our kids are in school. She doesn't want to be at home by herself for eight hours a day. So she comes to work. I'm not saying a woman can't work. I'm not saying a woman can't be the main, the main source of income in the home. What I'm saying is that it is a man's responsibility to make sure that that family is provided for in every kind of way. It's not her responsibility and the buck does not fall with her. And ladies, I just wanna say, if you're dating a man that is lazy and doesn't have a job, run. Or at least tell him he can have a job for one year before you go back to dating him. And then if he continues with the job, maybe, maybe, maybe if you love him, you could date him. But listen, okay, I'm going to stay away from that. Listen, in, in closing this morning, I want to ask our worship team to come and join me up on the stage. And I want to give you some instructions for assembly. If you look on the back of your guide, um, then you'll see just like last week, there's some, there's some instructions for husbands. And so I have some instructions for our husbands for this week. And then I have one more that I thought of this morning that I wanted to add to it. Okay, you ready? First of all, I'm gonna love her like Jesus loves me. You wanna be a good husband? Love her like Jesus does. She will, boy, she will re-fall in love with you if you treat her anything like Jesus treated his church. Number two, treat her like I wanna be treated. Number three, some of y'all need to hear this. Prioritize her more than any other human in my life. I ain't saying more than God, but anybody else, Christy takes priority over anybody else. Over my mama, over my dad, over you, over my people. My wife is first priority. I married her. We are one. And she takes priority over everything else. Two more, real quick. This week, do one thing truly special for your wife. If you don't know anything about your wife, learn something that she wants or some way that you can be special. And then lastly, E, this one's not on there. You have to write it in. Make sure that you are leading, you are protecting, and you are providing for your family the way that God has called you to. That is on you. Stand with me this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna ask our altar team to step out and come to the front. In just a second, we're gonna play a song. We're gonna worship together. But listen, y'all, this is so important. I believe that the Lord is doing some, and he's going to continue to do some supernatural things in our, in our marriages and in our families. And husbands, I am, I'm hoping that you start this process tonight, this morning. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I wanna to speak to a couple of different people. 
Husbands, if you're here today and you know that you need to be doing a better job with leading, serving, loving, protecting, and providing for your wife, in just a second, I'm, I want you to show her that you're gonna make a difference by stepping out and coming and allowing God to do a new work in you. But before we do that, every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in here this morning, maybe your husband's not here, maybe he's not a Christian, and you want special prayer for your husband this morning in just a second, I'm gonna ask you to come. And then lastly, I know there's several people that it, what they want prayer for has nothing to do with husbands or nothing to do with any of those things. There's several people that want prayer for healings. There's, uh, uh, so if you're here, husbands, and you wanna make a commitment to your wife and you wanna make a commitment to God to be the husband and the father that he's called you to be, in just a minute, I'm gonna ask you to step out and come forward. If you want someone to pray for you, we would love to pray for you. If you just wanna find a place to get with you and God, then you do that. Wives, if you want prayer for your husbands, in just a second, I'm gonna ask you to step forward and come. Or if you're in here this morning and you need prayer for anything else, with every head bowed and every eye closed, as we begin to sing this song, would you step out and would you come right now?